You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition, I'm joined by a very, very special guest. He's one of my favourite Arsenal writers out there. I'm sure you all know exactly who he is, known as the coach. Am I right? Welcome, Mr. Mike McDonald. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well, Harry. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. No, the pleasure is all mine, my friend. It's great to have you on. Um, and and this came off the back of me reading one of your fantastic articles. And I thought, I want to get Mike on ASAP to discuss this. And I said, I want in my head, I was saying, I want to squeeze this in before the weekend. Because <laughs> if Arsenal were to lose at Burnley, you know that there would be a lot of Arsenal fans kind of, I think, less receptive to understanding the bigger picture here uh, in terms of what is going on at the football club. So I thought it was important that we got the timing right on this. Um, So Mike penned a a brilliant piece. You can find it. Is it over on La Grove, Mike? Is that, is that the place to find it? Yeah. Yeah. Pete asked me to write. He just asked me to write about what I thought Arteta was doing. What's his strategy? What's his tactics, his coaching. And, and so uh, I was happy to do that. Brilliant. And it's an excellent read. And I've put the link in the description of this episode. So if you want to click on it and have a read, you can do so. And I'm looking forward to picking Mike's brains uh, around certain elements of that. And Mike, you broke it down into three main tasks that Mikel Arteta has been given, or, or as you put it, has decided a crucial in turning around the fortunes of the club. Culture, recruitment and sustainable modern footballing structure. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to that and, and, and why you think those are the three things that Mikel was kind of decided are, are, are the core of what he's looking to build here? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the culture was an unfortunate um, first step for him. Of course, when he stepped in, the first thing we heard it was the non-negotiable. So I think he was given that brief when he got the job that uh, that this was a mess. And I think we remember that. It was a mess when he, uh, when he got it. Uh, first job, and he has to change the culture of a club, which is... Uh, so he got thrown in at the deep end straight away. Uh, I felt uh, bad for him, but he took the task on and um, it's taken, I think, a lot longer than he would have hoped because of the pandemic and because the, the contract situations that he inherited um, in order to get the players out. Um, and most of them, have, as you know, have been going out on loan because we can't sell them or we can't even loan them. So I think it's taken him a, a good while because he hasn't had the full buy-in of the full squad and the, some of the players that were more influential uh, we're still there and lingering around. And and some still, I think, are at the club and they, they still haven't been shifted. So um, I think he was given that brief um, and I felt for the man, um, you know. And so uh, we are at a place now where I said in that piece that I think that September the 11th on Saturday was almost like a day one, a big refreshing for him with his new players um, and I know that the fans don't want to hear that. They want him to be held accountable for some of the nonsense we've seen over the last two years in the league positions. But I think there's been, honestly, Harry, the last two years have been like a cleansing at the club. 
Um, and then moving on to some of my other points, I think there's been a lot of teaching going on of this brand new way of seeing football. In terms of, you know, saying it's, it's starting from day one now, and I agree with you, I've been having this conversation with people over the last couple of weeks where I've said the start to the season wasn't great. We obviously lost at Brentford. It felt like a bit of the perfect storm in terms of how everything fell into place for Brentford. First game in the Premier League in their new stadium with fans, etc. Arsenal missing a load of players. And then two fixtures against Chelsea and Manchester City that, in all honesty, we had no right to win. And then we got to the Norwich game and it was imperative that Arsenal picked up three points. They did. And I agree with you. It did feel like a little bit of a reset and, and a kind of as if this is the start of our season. But what would you say to those Arsenal fans who who are saying, and I know you've made the point that there's been a bit of a cleansing going on and I completely agree with it. But I know a lot of fans won't agree with it. I know a lot of fans out there will be saying this project might just be getting going now, but it should have started 18 months ago. What would you say to those fans? Do you think that the circumstances were so bad that Mikel Arteta inherited that if a- anybody realistic was was always going to see this to be the case? Uh, yes, yeah, sort of. I think um, I think it's a mixture of everything, Harry. I think it's a bad situation that he inherited. He chose it, though. Um, I think it's mistakes that the man has made. Um, and I think he's gone medium and long term with almost all of his decisions rather than short term until he had to, until he had to win games. Arsenal have have been a streaky team since he took over. They had success initially. Of course, they won the FA Cup. Then they've had these bad patches. Then like the back end of last season, another streak of of good run of results. And I think that he's had to get sort of like the electric shock treatment to understand that we need some short-termism as well as the medium and long-term thinking. Because I guess in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is I think that he has felt such support from the club, the Cronkies, the board, and knows that he has such backing that he has decided to do this Arsenal project in a very different way. You know, almost every other coach that comes in wants instant results, wants insta players, and needs them, because if they don't, they're gone. And that's modern football. I don't think that's actually been what's going on at Arsenal. I think he was told that he was got t- he that he had um, time and he has time. So he took this this textbook, which we'll sort of get into in a little bit, and decided this is the system that he wanted to employ. He needed to teach almost everybody in the squad this new this new book, this new way of seeing football, um, and he was willing to um, uh, take that time in the short term and and, and see the results go up and down and up and down for the long-term gain because the long-term gain, if you can perfect this system of football, uh, could turn Arsenal back into an elite club. So I think if Arsenal fans were to look back, you know, maybe let's say for a year from now at his reign and what he had to do as far as cleansing the group, uh, forming the culture and then teaching this new way of playing football and creating automatisms defensively and, uh, and offensively, they would they would be thumbs up about the whole thing because it turned us back to the club that we remember back at the beginning of Arsene Wenger's reign. But, of course, Mikel Arteta's fighting against society where society is impatient and people are impatient and the world is impatient and football fans are definitely impatient. And so, you know, we don't win against Burnley. We're going to go back to everybody wanting him gone again and that North London derby will be pivotal. And so I think that the club 
has had to shake Mikel Arteta recently. You know that interview, Harry, that he did after the Norwich game was just bizarre. Like this, yeah. he said it's the, the greatest, was it so many days of his life or something? And I think that something happened at the club and somebody's had to sort of maybe shake him and say, look, you know, we back you, but you have to get short-term results. You're going to have to make this work because there's a point where we just can't back you anymore because this will become too toxic. And we've been there before. So we need you to think a little more short-term. And, and thankfully, it looks like we might be on a uh, on a path. Might be. Yeah, exactly. And and I agree with you where you say that, you know, he, he needs to obviously look at the short term a little bit more because there is a minimum standard at Arsenal, isn't there? And over the years, unfortunately, that minimum standard has dropped and it's dropped and it's dropped. Now, I think the minimum standard is to be in the top six. And, and I think that Arsenal need to at least achieve that. I think you're right in saying that the club have really, really backed him and that he's felt that love because we talk a lot about the players that he's brought in. We talk a lot about the signings over the summer, the amount of money spent. But actually, even decisions like telling Matteo Genduzzi that he's no longer wanted at the club, a player that the club might have seen as someone who could go on to bigger and, and greater things. You look at you know, this situation with William Saliba, somebody that, again, Arsenal made a huge investment on. And Mikel Arteta's taken the decision that he's not part of the team and he won't be part of the team. So you're right. He's been backed incredibly well. And I think there comes a point where the excuses kind of run out. Um, but he's got to do it short term. He's got to be more short term anyway, in terms of, of how he's approaching things so that we do see that upturn immediately. Because as you say, if he doesn't, that the patience is going to, is going to run out. You talked about his tactics in this piece. And I thought this bit was, was incredibly uh, insightful. Um, you talked about uh, juego de posición. I think that's how you say it, uh, which is a, a type of positional play. Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about it and, and how kind of Mikel Arteta is implementing that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's it's a brand new way of uh, playing football. Um, you know, we grew up with uh, far more freedoms, not just, you know, playing football, uh, Harry, um, but watching Arsenal football with, with Wenger. He was all about the freedoms and this is, Honestly, the polar opposite. Um, not that we have too many Wenger players um, at the club anymore, but um, the Arsenal fan base are the ones that need convincing because this is a brand new textbook. It's it's a coach's game now. Um, uh, Juego de Posición is a method that was started essentially by Guardiola where you um, focus not just on attacking when you have the ball, but on defend, uh, defending whilst you're attacking. You prepare for both. And it sort of, again, blends with society and how we, um, we, we're fearful, <laughs> more fearful. And um, I don't know how you best describe it, but we, we're, we're worried about the what ifs. And so this has bled into football and it's created this system, which if it's perfected, is, can be elite. And I think this may be where Arsenal's going. But anyway, I digress. You know, for example, defending whilst attacking would be Pepe, for example, you know, Back in the day, 10, 15, 20 years ago, he would get the ball on the wing and you'd clear the area uh, in order to give him space and not bring your marker towards uh, towards him to complicate and crowd his area. But now they do that. This, this system will bring uh, a player over, not just because of what we're trying to do offensively to combine and maybe do a one-two with Pepe, but it's the what if Pepe loses the ball. And he does, as we know, then we can instantly press and win it back or at least stop them transitioning. So that's an example of 
how it's uh, how it is on the defensive side and how um, defending is now a part of of attacking. Liverpool, I will tell you, uh, maybe the masters of it in Europe. Uh, here's some wild thoughts that are going on. Um, Liverpool uh, have got beyond. They sometimes, if they can't retain possession on attack, will intentionally give the ball to the other team or at least dump a ball you know, down the channel maybe for Salah or Mane. Knowing if they don't get it, that gives them time to get set up defensively, mm. set their traps, and they think, OK, well, maybe it's better for us to go long because Liverpool are very direct and... Uh, and give them the ball because we are so good at winning it back in the final third. We can attack from there. And then you had the whole thing of Jeannie Van Aldem, who's left the club, and I think it's hurting Liverpool, who was the king of the second ball. Can't We can't play, we can't play. So we're going to go long to maybe to Firmino. If he can't hold it and they they uh, win it, Jeannie Van Aldem was maybe the best in world football at winning the second ball. And then again, you've won it again in the final third and you and you go at them. And so... It's more of a focus on um, using defending as the thought process in attacking. And then the second part is the attacking part of it is all about um, passing patterns, creating passing patterns and autom automatisms so that the players um, have um, ideas of when the ball is here, this is what we want to do. And that, that word's important, want, because I think Arteta got, has got a little lost in this. Uh, and then when the ball's here, this is what we want to do. And I think we've got a little robotic to where the players have been doing this regardless. And I think that's where Arsenal have fallen down in the short term is, is taking the instruction too literally and being too concerned about this system. Yeah, uh, that fantastic explanation and incredible stuff. And, and I agree with you. I do think I can kind of see what the idea is and, and based on what you've just told me and what I've read in your piece, I definitely see elements of that, but I agree with you that it's also Mikel Arteta getting a little bit lost from time to time. And, you know, maybe sometimes it's not even Arteta necessarily being lost. Perhaps it's his players on yeah. the pitch, not necessarily understanding every single element of it. Um, I, I want to say before we continue, I just want to say a few uh, thank yous to people in the live chat, because there are loads of people watching us at the moment. Uh, lots of comments coming through. We'll get some of your questions towards the back end of the show. Uh, so have a good think about anything that you want to put to Mike uh, from a tactical perspective, from anything perspective. Uh, get them into the chat box. Pop a little cue at the beginning of the question so it's easy for me to pick them out from the crowd. Uh, Arsenal Granny in the chat says, LeGrove wrote an article a couple of days ago about this new way of playing. I think it was Mike's article that you probably read, uh, mate, which is uh, which is the one that we're referring to. Again, link is in the description. Please do uh, check it out. Uh, Adam says, uh, hi, Harry. First off, congratulations. Thank you, because there's loads of that coming through again as well. Um, and I really, really appreciate it. I said it on the stream earlier, but thank you all so much. Um, honestly, it means the world uh, to me. So thank you so much. He says, in terms of Arteta and patience, I believe fans have been more than patient last year, for example. He needs to show it. He then goes on to say, all fans just want to see progress in a style of play. I've not seen enough to convince me yet. I want him to turn it around, but I'm sure if he's able to. Is there an argument, Mike, that based on what you've explained and, and what you've written about, that the reason we can't see it is because it is very complex and maybe... In myself included, not all of us are aware of what the kind of intentions are. Therefore, we don't see them. Yeah, I think so. And I think I'm with Adam. I want to see it too. I mean, I wrote that article and the people who criticised 
it was saying that it was overly positive and ridiculous because it's uh, it's not what we've been seeing. But I was just trying to explain it, and I, it's not. I'm not saying which way I'm flowing, but I feel like um, the Arsenal fan base um, are right in the fact that they do need some short-term thinking, they do need results, and they deserve it. And the club needs a better finish uh, than eighth. And I think that we may well see this now after. Um, I think, like I say, I think the club has shooken uh, Mikel Arteta recently over the international break. And I think he's had a realisation of the importance of, of short-term gain. But um, I think what's happened specifically with uh, as per last season and the players that we had and the learning the system, I think, was, was the priority for the, the team, um, much to the fans' chagrin. But uh, I think some of the players are just not uh, capable of... Uh, playing the system and I think Arteta made the choice to play the system regardless to see if they were able to get there whereas most coaches would probably have just binned it and uh, done what a lot of Arsenal fans say to me Harry which is why don't you play a system that fits your team because a lot of what we see doesn't seem to for example fit a Bamiyang he seems to be a lost sheep out there and and it's not it's it's not based on the players that you have which is really how you're supposed to pick a team but I don't think he he did that. He went. He went for the long game. Um, but I'll give you a couple of quick details. You know, you need you need players that scan that before the ball comes to them. And you'll see this when you watch Sambi play, who just you know check their shoulder, and you're supposed to scan for color. Um, so you, you you tell your mind where. Uh, your options are so you can play quicker. And this is why Manchester City are further along is that they have players who have the habit of scanning and can move the ball quicker. Well, we didn't have that last year. And now I watched against Norwich, Maitland-Niles, Party, and, and Sambi in particular doing that frequently and moving the ball quicker. Well, last year he either didn't pick those players or he, they weren't available much. And so we didn't have um, that piece of it because modern football is so fast and this system requires you to thread the needle and do it quickly. And I don't think that um, uh, he did that. But I, I think you've got to marry that thought with the fact that he overcoached, I think. And I think that it was it was too intense. I mean, I've never seen a coach give instruction solidly for 90 minutes like Mikel Arteta did last season. I've never seen that. And I think he was just, again, it was like the players were in class, Harry. But, and, and he's teaching them. And he's the teacher, but there's a game going on and it's too intense, it's too much and too overwhelming for the players. So I think that that got on top of them and a lot of them were young, still are young. So I think it was a combination of a lot of things, but I hope it's coming together, Harry. Yeah, me too. And and I agree with you on the kind of overcoaching point. Um, we had a discussion on it uh, on one of our shows earlier in the week and we were talking about the attack in particular and we were talking about maybe if that was too overcoached. I felt like maybe during that particular discussion that we were having, that the the whole talk of overcoaching was maybe blown a little bit out of proportion. But there is, in my opinion, an element of that because I was fortunate enough to be at a couple of games during the lockdown um, and with no fans in the stadium, all you could hear and all you could see was Mikel Arteta by the sideline, almost orchestrating every pass when the, you know, when, our opponents had the ball and they were passing the ball, we would see him switch to the next player. Almost like, I don't know if you've ever played FIFA, Mike, where you change player 
and you're yeah. pressing the L1 button to kind of jump to the next player to control him. It was like Mikel Arteta was doing that on the sidelines, changing to the next player, barking out instructions to him. When the ball got moved on, he'd do it to the next one and the next one and the next one. And it was like everything was was under his supervision and everything was under his strict instruction. And actually, you kind of take away some of what's great about football, the spontaneity yeah. of football. And that is that is a valid point, I think. I do think that is a worry and a concern. You Can talk- I ask you a quick question, Harry? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he looked at the lockdown period and no fans and decided intentionally to do that and to use it as a class and to teach constantly because he knew he'd never have a season again where the players could physically hear him from the sideline? It's a good point. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure is what would be my answer to that because I feel like when I look at Mikel Arteta, I feel like he's someone that, and and all elite sports people are, but I feel like he's somebody that absolutely hates losing. And you, you can really tell the difference in his demeanor when, Arsenal pick up a result or they don't pick up a result. And it's, you know, you see it in all managers, but I think with him, they're they're the complete polar opposites. Mikel Arteta after a defeat, I think is prickly. I think he's horrible to be around. I think he is um, quite short in his answers. I think he reaches for the excuses straight away. You know, this player was missing or this decision went against us or, and then when he wins, he's like the, the best guy out there. So for me, I find it a little bit, difficult to get my head around the fact that he would have I'm not saying intentionally lost but would have done anything that sacrificed results to a degree I think he I think he did he is so desperate to implement this new style of football on Arsenal and get his points across he did see it as an opportunity and I think he massively benefited from some of those water breaks we had when football first returned didn't he where he got the opportunity to get on the pitch and give them instruction even though that wasn't technically allowed, he, he still found a way to do it. I, I don't know if he would have done that on purpose, but I think a point you made earlier on, which I think is spot on, is that you know people have compared him to Unai Emery and they've said, well, Unai Emery got sacked for a lot less. Unai Emery was here for X amount of time and was sacked when things weren't going the way the club wanted. The two jobs are very different. You know, Unai Emery was brought in to get Arsenal back in the Champions League straight away. He was an experienced coach. The squad that Wenger left behind, in my opinion, and a lot of people disagree with this. I did a podcast not too long ago where I compared the two squads to kind of give context to to my argument. But I believe the squad that Wenger left behind was stronger than this current squad in terms of experience, in terms of players that you knew were going to develop. Uh, sorry, were going to deliver on a regular basis. Just a quick example to to kind of to back up that point. Henrik Mkhitaryan scored more goals in a full season under Unai Emery than Bukayo Saka did under Mikel Arteta. Um, Alex Iwobi produced more outputs than Emil Smith-Rowe. So I'm not saying those guys won't go on to be great players, but they're not there just yet. And relying on them for me is a a massive gamble on Mikel Arteta's part. And and because he's relying on them and because that's the, the way the club are looking to go, I think that when he came in, he was told... You've got two, three seasons here. And that's why he doesn't feel this pressure with his job. It's why he's not afraid to make big decisions like kicking players out that he doesn't think are the right players, dropping his captain if he takes an issue with something disciplinary-wise. You know, Unai Emery would never have dropped Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Even if he turned up late to the derby, I'm sure Emery would have stuck him in the side. 
because his remit was short term. I need to get results now. And I think that makes a massive difference when you're talking about the two coaches. If you know you're safe, you will take, you know, bigger gambles. You will push the boundaries more. You will look at the culture, which I think you put so brilliantly in your article, because that is going to serve you in the longer term. You talk in the article as well about the patience that we need. Are you, where are you personally on Mikel Arteta? I've voiced my opinions on it tons of times. I'm sure people are sick of hearing them, but where are you on the whole Arteta debate at the moment? Well, um, I've been a little back and forth. I was a big fan when we brought him in. I loved the fact that he was trying to um, clean it all up. I appreciated that. I think I've got the patience for that and I, I'm fine with that. I, I uh, Last season drove me insane. I, as a coach myself, I saw a lot of mistakes, I thought, and the overcoaching and the, the lack of uh, attacking freedom that the players seem to have, I think, is a mistake. But um, I have shifted uh, because I'm trying to be logical about this. I'm trying to not be hysterical and see last season and see the beginning of the season because I do think that his recruitment or the club's recruitment of at least five of these six players, I'm going to take Tavares out because he's going to be more of a rotational option. But five of those guys are exactly the kind of players that I think that the club needed with age profile-wise, athletic profile, leadership, uh, new culture. And so, you know, whether I uh, like Mikel Arteta or however I feel about him, it's almost like we've been given this reset, whether we like it or not. And hopefully it's going to be a great thing because half of that team that ran out there against Norwich wouldn't know. They were either making their debut or just about. And so when you've got your half of your lineup that's brand new and you like them and you think that they've got the right profiles across the board and they can improve your team, regardless of how you felt before, you almost have to bin there and think, okay, well, my common sense tells me I'm going to, have to pause for a minute because this is really a brand new football team. I mean, you never see 11 new guys, never. But you you, but you, but will sometimes see, you know, two or three and rarely will you see five just enter all at once when they weren't there the week before. And yeah. so I feel like I have to wait. I have to wait. I have to give him the time to prove that he can um, improve on last season's performances and results. And and just sit there and observe and try to be positive because I do really, really like this new team that they've put together. So a round of applause to the club for doing it the right way. Um, so I guess I'm in timeout, Harry. Yeah, and, and that's how I feel as well. I'm at the place where when we got knocked out of the Europa League last season, I was really frustrated, really frustrated in the nature of it, really frustrated with the fact that I felt that Mikel got some fundamental decisions wrong in that, that cost us. And I was like, well, you know, th this is, you know, this is maybe too far now. You know, I, what are you going to do now, Arsenal? But having seen them give him the summer and spend in the summer, I was very much of the opinion of, well, whether we like him or not now, he is here. And, you know, I never think Arsenal fans should be sitting there willing their team to disappoint so that they can get rid of a manager. So I, I was at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to give him time again. And then the season started and it was like, well, this is really not good enough. 
But I think you had to look at the bigger picture. I think you had to understand the context around those performances and that those results. And I'm looking at this next run of games now as a real opportunity for Mikel to win back some of the faith, see us push up the table quite dramatically, because you can do in this early stage of the season if you put a run of wins together. And uh, fingers crossed he can do that. Do you think the plan that the club have put in place, though, you know, Edu came out, fronted up about it, talked about it. Some Arsenal fans took issue with it. Others quite enjoyed the fact that he sat in front of the camera and, and revealed a little bit about the planning behind the scenes. Do you think that this plan is a plan that's been put into place, though, without necessarily being focused solely around Mikel Arteta? And what I mean by that is, do you think Edu's been involved in these purchases and, and been part of asking for a specific age profile with a view to, if it doesn't work out with Mikel Arteta, this is business that could still benefit the new manager and it's business that is for the long term, regardless of who's in the dugout. Yeah, I do. I do. It just, it certainly smells that way to me. Um, I don't know know how much Mikel Arteta was in, involved in the transfers. We'll never know exactly. My assumption is they've worked together on this and I like it. But um, I suppose that's another reason that I'm in a positive mood is I feel like if Arteta doesn't work out, then we can go find another coach, you know, arguably another one of these Juego de Position coaches that can help the players continue what they're learning. But we had now have a squad in place uh, that's far better balanced uh, and ready to go and doesn't need much tweaking um, that somebody else could get more out of. And I think that the club for once, for, for the first time in, goodness knows how many years have actually uh, taken a step back and realised that we have to try to build this uh, back up and not uh, think so short term and the, the, the ideas of the Williams and, and what have you coming in just so we can get back into the Champions League in five minutes is, is, hasn't worked for us and we need to have a longer term plan um, and, uh, and run that way and I, I feel like this group of players coming in, plus all those younger players that we already have, um, are putting the club in a really, really good position. And if and if it doesn't work out, then we could even sell one or two of them and recoup some money, which we haven't been able to do in previous summers, and find some other players. So we're in a much, much better position, I feel, Harry. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I often get called um, deluded. I often get called somebody who accepts mediocrity. I like to think that I'm somebody who's just realistic about where we are. And so I feel like the top four, when you take into consideration the financial muscle of Manchester City, of Chelsea, of Manchester United, and how well Liverpool have done and over how many years that project has been ongoing and has developed, I think that they are the top four and should be the top four. And so if Arsenal miss out on the top four, that's not a disastrous season to me. But to some it is. Do you think in general as a fan base, we need to be recalibrating those expectations? Because, and I know it's difficult to take because as fans, we went from challenging for Premier League titles to accepting fourth to now we're in a place where maybe sixth is what we should be accepted. Do you understand why fans are struggling to recalibrate those expectations? Yeah, yeah, I think they are. They just hit hit with um, so one disappointment after the other. I, I feel like the last 
I don't know, 15 or so years supporting Arsenal. I feel like it's been like been chucked in one of those money cube machines where you're in there for 60 seconds trying to grab and you come out and this whirlwind of what the heck just happened. And uh, and it's, it's just like, a, or a reality show, a drama. It's constant drama at Arsenal. And I think you throw that on top of the fact that the results haven't been good enough. I think the Arsenal fans are just fed up on so many different levels. But um, I think that this new um, new group, new team, um, I think that they may surprise people next season. My, my thought is probably the same as you. We can't challenge for top four this season. We're just not ready yet, even though it looks like we could now have a good team. Um, but we could get, um, you know, Europa League. But I think there's the potential for a big jump next season because, you know, it's not always the most powerful, richest, highest spenders that do come in the top four. Um, That's been proven over most every Premier League season. There's always somebody that sniffs around there, whether it's Leicester or West Ham. So why not Arsenal? Not sure it's going to happen this season, but I think Arsenal could actually, uh, all being more serene and uh, and progress being... uh, linear then I think that Arsenal could actually surprise people next season is my prediction yeah no great stuff let's take a couple of questions from the live chat before uh, we wrap it up Uh, Steve Stone says I feel Arteta's future will be on a knife edge for some time to come if he manages to survive this season somehow from his standpoint will it be a success Mike well from his standpoint I don't think so uh, from the way he talks but um, he may be thinking the way that I just uh, communicated that it's next season that'll be the golden one. So he just can't say that in public. Coaches just can't say that because the fans get too upset. Uh, but I don't disagree with Steve that, uh, that Arteta is going to be on a knife edge because the results um, are probably going to waver because that's just the way it goes. And people will, you know, go Arteta in, Arteta out, and they'll go back and forth. He just needs to beat Spurs to me. If he beats Spurs, he gets grace for, for a while, I think. And if he doesn't, I think he's going to be in some trouble. Um, and so I think this thing could go the way Steve predicts. So who knows? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, Jid says, uh, it's funny how an experienced manager in Klopp can ask for four seasons for his project to bear fruit, yet the less experienced Arteta is expected to win now. And I think that highlights the kind of, the yeah. mood around the fan base doesn't it over the last few years where frustration from previous managers and previous sort of actions have kind of led to us being in a place where we're probably heaping way too much pressure on a manager that is still developing himself um mike i think we're going to leave it there because um it's a fantastic chat and and half an hour is normally around the sweet spot so i'm told uh, by the guys in the chat. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. How can people keep up with your excellent writing? And remember, the link to this particular article that we've been discussing today is in the description. Where can people find you, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I write uh, after every game for Gunners Town. It's called Positives, Needs and Hopes. It's sort of a different way of looking at a post-match review. Uh, I, I do the transfer blogs for La Grove. And of course, I did this piece for La Grove recently. Uh, I also have a, a new column in the Guna fanzine called Coach Mike's Clipboard. Um, so I'm up to a, a bunch of different things and, and blessed to do so. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you check it out. Mike, how can people follow you on Twitter? 
Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I guess it's, it's up there. It's at Mike underscore M McDonald is my uh, handle there. So um, that's me. Brilliant stuff. Make sure you give Mike a follow. Keep up to date with all his excellent work. As I say, just another final plug for that article because it's fantastic. Make sure you do check it out. Uh, be sure, if you haven't done so already, to hit the like button on the video if you're watching us via YouTube. That really, really does help. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. If you'd like to go one further and become a member supporting the podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. We will be back very, very soon. In fact, tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content where we'll be reacting to the game at Turf Moor. Don't know if I should be looking forward to that or not uh, at this point. But yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you've turned your notifications on and we'll catch you very soon. Until next time, take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry.